The Incredibles 2, from the sermon series God on Film, spoken by Pastor Sunita Ponton. How many of you have seen the movie? This is your time, yeah. Great, great, great. Oh, well, I'm excited to be with you this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to all of our young people. Thank you for joining us in adult worship today. Can we clap for our children in worship today? Thank you for joining us. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you that you are the incredible God. And Lord, we ask that you would be with us, God, during this service. We have, I have prepared and prayed as best I know how, but Lord, you must preach. I have studied your word, God, but we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to touch each one of our hearts. And I've written words on paper, Lord, but we pray that you would write them on our hearts, that we might be transformed by you in the incredible work you want to do in our lives, from the youngest to the oldest. Now, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's children said, amen, amen, amen. amen. So Incredibles 2 is a great movie. Would you agree? Yes, I highly recommend it. It is the sequel to Incredibles, but unlike other sequels, there's like a 14-year gap between the time of the first movie and the second movie. And unlike um, sort of in reality, 14 years passed in cartoon world and nothing has changed. It's the entire family exactly the way they are. Jack-Jack is still a baby, okay? <laughs> Can you imagine a 14-year baby? Um, so we have the Parr family. That's what they're known by in their suburban community. There is Dad, who is Bob, a.k.a. Mr. Incredible. Mom, Helen, Elastigirl. And there are three children, Violet, Dash, and Jack-Jack. As you can imagine, they all have superpowers, including baby Jack-Jack, who has more superpowers than anyone else in the family. Yeah, weird, right? <laughs> and we find out from the beginning that these super um, heroes, however, have been criminalized. Even though they save the city from the bad guys like Underminer, because they cause destruction, the city bans them from operating in their superpowers. But there's this one guy, Winston Deaver, who believes that superheroes are awesome and he wants the whole world to know it. And he says that the way he can get people to know how great superheroes are are by installing body cams so that people can see what it's like from their point of view when they are fighting crime. Now, because Mr. Incredible is big and strong um, and he's, he always causes destruction, they say, no, we're going to go with Elastigirl. We're going to send her out. Um, which means that Mr. Incredible has to stay home and take care of the children while Elastigirl saves the world. Um, Elastigirl's enemy ends up being the screen slaver, a villain who uses TV screens to hypnotize people and get them to do his or her will. Now, I won't give up the whole movie, but I do um, invite you to go watch it when you have a chance. I mean, one of the things that I love about this movie is that it's so layered. There's so many pieces to it that even children and adults have something to think about. Um, and as I was praying about this sermon, um, there were so many different directions I could have gone in. Families working together, understanding and using your gifts for a greater purpose, husbands supporting your wives and vice versa through different stages of your lives and ministries and careers, and the amazing Jack-Jack reminding all of us that God gives gifts even to little children. 
and there's so many others. But as I prayed and I prayed about this, the one thing that kept pulling me was the fact that the world needed superheroes to save them, and yet they rejected them. In fact, they didn't just reject them, they criminalized them. They told them that it would be illegal for them to use their superpowers even to save the world. The Incredibles wanted to help, but were prevented from doing so. The very thing that the world needed, they rejected. And I realize that we see that in our world today so often, the very thing that we reject, that we need, we often reject. So um, you might be taking a class, and you might not be doing so well in that class. And sometimes you reject getting tutoring. Right? Or some of our adults, you might, have, you might be struggling with some addictions and you refuse to go to places like AA where you can get help. Or maybe there's a mom or a dad here who stretched like Elastigirl beyond their limits with kids and work and cooking and cleaning and shuttling kids back and forth, but you won't accept help from other people. That's what we find so often that there's help that's available, but we often reject it. And we find a similar story in our Bible. So if you have your Bibles with me, turn with me to Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. It'll also be on the screen behind me. And let me warn you, this is a pretty um, exciting text. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the, hill by, the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us out among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. This is 
sort of a fun story and a scary story at the same time. Jesus crosses the Sea of Galilee, and he's immediately um, seen by this man who runs up to him, and inside of this man is what the Bible calls an impure spirit or a demon. There's something inside of him that's making him act violently towards himself and others. It's like an evil power living inside of him. No one could keep him from hurting himself or others. Now, if you saw the movie, imagine Jack-Jack when he gets angry. He turns red, and he can multiply himself, and he becomes like balls of fire. This man was angry like that all the time. They put him in chains and shackles, but he broke them, and no one was strong enough to overpower him. And night and day, he would howl, and he would cut himself with stones. But when he sees Jesus, He bows before Jesus and shouts at the top of his lungs, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. Jesus told the demons, had told the demons to get out of the man. Then Jesus asked him his name, and he says legion, because there were multiple spirits living inside of this man. The demons begged Jesus not to send them away, and instead they asked to go into the pigs. So Jesus lets them, and they go into the pigs, they take over, and they rush the pigs off of a mountain, and they drown in the sea. It was about 2,000 of them. Well, people had seen this, and when they see this, they run back and they tell the townspeople what happened, and everyone comes back to see for themselves. And when they come back, they find Jesus, and they find this man who had been demon-possessed, what the Bible says, now clothed and in his right mind. Think of Jack-Jack now with a cookie, nice and calm. They beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. And just as Jesus is leaving, this man begs to go with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you stay here and tell everyone what has happened. That's an incredible story, isn't it? The incredible Jesus comes with his incredible power and in the matter of minutes frees this man from the demons that possess him, that want to cause him harm and cause him to harm other people. Jesus did an incredible work in this man's life, and he wants to do an incredible work in all of our lives as well. He wants to save us from the things that bind us, that cause us harm, and cause us to harm other people. He wants to do an incredible work in you today. You see, Jesus knows that we need him. The same way the people of Metropolis needed superheroes, whether they knew it or not or would accept it or not, we need an incredible Savior. His name is Jesus, and he wants to do an incredible work in your life, just like he did for the man in this text. So what can we do to accept the incredible work of Jesus in our lives? The first way we accept the incredible work of Jesus in our lives is to welcome the incredible Jesus. Welcome the incredible Jesus. It sounds really simple, right? Even though Jesus had just healed this man, the townspeople sent him away. Now, I often think about how much more Jesus could have done in that city if they had welcomed him and allowed him to stay. No doubt there were still people who needed healing. I have no doubt that there were still people who didn't need to be helped by Jesus. But Jesus is a gentleman. If we ask him to leave, he will go. So we have to welcome Jesus into our lives. 
But unfortunately, too many people reject him. There are those who reject Jesus from the very beginning. They hear the story of the gospel and they just can't believe it. It sounds like foolishness to them. Here is a man who is also God. He loves us, was born for us, lived for us, died for us, and rose again for us just so that we could be in right relationship with God. And what does he ask from us? Very little. Just that we believe in him. And it sounds pretty foolish, right? Because we're so used to having to earn our way. We're so used to having to prove ourselves, to give of ourselves, and to work that we can't imagine a God who loves us just for who we are. And he does. No strings attached. Jesus loves you just the way you are. And while that may sound unbelievable, there's an entire book written about it. There are others who have rejected Jesus, not because they don't believe, but because they want to be their own person, right? This is the type of people who have bought into this idea of independence, and they try everything in their power to maintain that. Sometimes that happens with kids, right? You get to an age where you decide that you want to do anything except what your parents do, right? And so there's this underlying feeling of rebellion, and they want to move away from everything their parents believed, their lifestyles, and their values. Well, can I just say that that's a silly reason to reject Jesus? Not that there's any good reason. But it's really silly to reject Jesus just because your parents believe in Jesus. Jesus wants to have a right relationship with you that is separate and apart from your parents. He died for you. He is your Savior, too. He loves you. Get to know Jesus for yourself. Don't reject him. Welcome him into your life. And then there are others who believe in Jesus. They love Jesus. They have a wonderful relationship with him, but they reject him in another way. They don't want Jesus to change anything in their lives, or they only want Jesus to change certain things in their lives. Their rejection is a bit more subtle. They pray and they hear the Holy Spirit speaking to them about changes they need to make, but they won't do it. They hear the sermons week after week, but they won't in implement what they hear because it disrupts their lives too much. Jesus, you can save me, but don't tell me how to live my life. Jesus, you can heal me, but don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what to do with my money. You can help me get this job, but don't tell me how to be a Christian in my workplace. These are the people who welcome Jesus into their hearts just a little bit, but they haven't really. They only want the parts of Jesus that suits them, but selective acceptance equals rejection, and selective obedience is disobedience. It's all or nothing with Jesus. You're either all in with him or you're not. So we ask that you fully welcome Jesus into your life. But then there's another category of people. And these are the people who have been disillusioned by Jesus. They reject Jesus because they believe Jesus has rejected them in some way. In the movie, Evelyn Deaver um, is upset with superheroes and she holds this grudge because of the death of her parents. 
She believes that if the superheroes had picked up the phone when her parents were being attacked, that her, her parents wouldn't be dead. But they never came. Maybe you can relate to that feeling. Is that why you've rejected Jesus? Maybe you have been praying about something for years and it still hasn't manifested. Or maybe the very thing that you have been praying about, the very opposite happened. The person didn't get healed. You and your parents still don't get along. Your friend betrayed you. Your house was foreclosed on. You lost your job. You lost your marriage. You're still single. The list can go on and on and on. You tried Jesus, and it seems like he rejected you by not answering your prayer. So you, in turn, rejected him. That's tough, and your feelings are legitimate. But let me offer this to you briefly, because unfortunately we don't have a lot of time now, but I would love to speak with you another time. But know that we don't know the entirety of God's plan. We exist in this one moment of time, and we only see a partial view. But God is looking at the long view. And we don't know what awaits us, or how God will work everything out for our good. We also live in a fallen world, and what we think is right or should happen won't always happen. But Jesus promises to love us through it all and to be with us throughout it all. That's why we call him Emmanuel, God with us. That's why we're in relationship with him, so that he can strengthen us and hold us up during those tough times that will always occur. He heard your prayers. He hasn't abandoned you. He does love you. He never rejected you. Don't reject him. Welcome Jesus into your life. So the the first thing we must do is welcome the incredible Jesus into our lives. Next, we must admit that we need the incredible Jesus. Admit that we need the incredible Jesus. Now let's be honest this morning. We all have issues. We all have demons. We all have something that we need to work on. That's why we need the incredible Jesus. And the question is, what demons possess you? What things are inside of you causing you pain or causing you to to inflict pain on other people? Has unforgiveness overtaken you? Has anger grown inside of you? Are your children afraid to talk to you because you're always yelling at them? Or the flip side, children, are your parents afraid to talk to you because you always have an attitude? Is there jealousy somewhere? Is there addiction? Is there pride? Is there shame? Have you been hurt so deeply that you hurt others? What is it that has you bound up that has you acting and living like something else is inside of you, controlling you. Jesus wants to save you from it if you will accept his incredible work in your life. When Jesus saw the man with the demons, he told them to come out of the man. He knew that those demons only wanted to cause more and more destruction. Remember what happened when the demons came out of the man? They went into the pigs, They went right off the cliff, and those pigs drowned. Jesus knows that demons are out to get us, and that the Bible warns us that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But this is why Jesus intervenes. Jesus says, no, your time is up. Jesus sees the demons overtaking this man. He sees the demons overtaking us, and he steps in and wants to help. He wants to do an incredible work in our lives, but we need to admit that we need the incredible Jesus. Because you see, there are two types of people who are demon-possessed in this text. There's the obvious one, the man living among the dead. His demons are apparent because he's wild and he's violent, but they're the not-so-obvious people the townspeople. They look normal, they act normally, but there's something at work in them too. They're possessed by some other things. Fear, greed, complacency. They looked like everything was okay, but when confronted by Jesus's incredible power, what was inside started to come out. Let's look at verses 14 through 17. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. These people were possessed by fear. They were afraid of Jesus' power at work among them. They had never seen anything like it, and it was unknown and mightier than what they could have imagined. So rather than celebrate the work of Jesus, they cowered away in fear. Then there are those who are possessed by greed. The loss of pigs meant a loss of their livelihoods. You see, this was a Gentile region, and while Jews um, thought of pigs as unclean, they were not to the Gentiles. So these pigs were their livelihood, but they didn't care that this man had been freed from their demons. They cared more about the pigs they lost that could have been sold or traded or eaten than they cared about this man who had been healed. They chose pigs over people. And then there were people possessed by complacency. Day after day, they saw this man in the condition that he was in. They knew how harmful he was to himself. They knew how harmful he was to other people. The Matthew version of this text tells us that they even would go around him to avoid him because they didn't want to deal with him. They rearranged their lives just to avoid this man. But as much as they may have grumbled about having to walk around him or complained about the way they act, he acted or even were afraid of him, they seemed to have preferred things the way they were. They had learned to live with things the way they were. They were comfortable with the demon. But Jesus wants to save us. We must be willing to admit that we need him. Yes, there are times, like in this passage, where Jesus comes upon someone and heals them without announcement or question. But many more times in the Bible, we find that people go to Jesus, like the woman with the issue of blood, or the blind men, or the lepers. They go to Jesus, and they touch him. They talk to him. Tell him that you need him. We must be willing to accept that there are some things controlling us that are more powerful than what we can handle on our own. 
But with the help of the incredible Jesus, you can become free. Admit that you need the incredible Jesus. Third, we must accept the incredible changes. Accept the incredible changes. In the beginning of Incredibles 2, one of the villains, Underminer, starts drilling through the city, breaking into the basements of the banks, and stealing the money. The Incredibles family and Frozone jump in to help, but they cause a lot of damage. And this is when the police and the elected officials ban the Incredibles and all superheroes from ever stepping in to help again. They made it a law and threatened to arrest them if they ever came to the aid of the city again. But the lawmakers were so focused on the destruction that the Incredibles and Frozone caused that they couldn't even bother to realize that they were saving their city. In fact, the real cause of destruction wasn't the Incredibles, but actually the villain who was trying to steal the money. Change is hard, and there may be some collateral damage. Accept it. In our text, the townspeople are upset because Jesus disrupted their way of life. The pigs were gone. The demon-possessed man now acted normally. And as uncomfortable as it was, the townspeople had accepted the demons as normal for them. They had accepted that kind of life, bound by fear of what this man might do to himself or others. Jesus offered them freedom, but they preferred bondage because change was painful and scary. Well, let me tell you, Metro, change can be painful. You may have to give up some things for Jesus to do the incredible work that he wants to do in your life. There may be some collateral damage. You may lose your pigs, some relationships, some things you used to do, some beliefs or attitudes you used to hold, but it will be worth it because you are free. Are you afraid of what Jesus might do if, you, if he gets a little bit too close to you? Have you gotten too comfortable with your demons? Are you afraid of the change? Have you resigned yourself to living a life of fear and bondage? It may be costly and painful, but change is transformative. And isn't that what we're about here at Metro? Transformation? Just remember that on the other side, of any discomfort or loss is your freedom. Accept the incredible changes Jesus wants to do in your life. And finally, tell the incredible story. Tell the incredible story. In the movie, Winston Deaver knew that the only way to get people to understand superheroes was for the public to understand their point of view. He installed a body cam on Elastigirl so the world could see from her eyes what it was like when there was crime taking place and she had to come and intervene. He hoped the publicity would convince them of the necessity of superheroes. Well, we can't all walk around with body cams, but we can tell the incredible story of what Jesus has done in our lives from our point of view. Look at verses 18 through 20. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. 
Jesus had been rejected by the townspeople, but he left instructions for the man who wanted to go with him. He said, go and tell your family and friends what the Lord has done for you. Now, while many of us are struggling with issues that we're trying to still overcome, we also have been delivered from some as well. We can tell about Jesus' incredible work in our lives already. We can tell about how he softened our hearts. We can tell about how he moved us towards forgiveness. We can tell about how he removed greed or jealousy or envy or lust or anger. Even while we wrestle with one thing, God has already done something for us. And that's the story we can tell. When Jesus changes your life, that's the story to tell. Let people see the incredible Jesus from your point of view. People will want to know about the incredible Jesus you know and love when they hear your story. Like the woman at the well who said, come and see a man. And after her neighbors met Jesus, they said, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Now, some of you may be thinking, I can't do that. I can't talk about Jesus. But you can. Just tell your story, what Jesus has done in your life. Pastor Ansi always reminds me that we are a part of God's big story. When we tell people what Jesus has done in our lives, we are telling God's story. The man in the text became a part of God's story when Jesus healed him, and that's the story he told. What Jesus has done in your life is the story to tell, and it's an incredible story. I used to be a little shy or actually embarrassed about my story. I thought, I don't have this incredible story of Jesus taking me from addiction to recovery or, or from prison to freedom. I grew up in church. I grew up as a Christian. And learning to love Jesus came as easily or as simply as learning to spell my name. But I came to realize that each soul saved is an incredible story. The heavens rejoice when one soul is saved, whenever it happens and however it happens. And I also came to realize that each time Jesus does a work in my life, it is incredible. Incredible doesn't mean that it has changed the world. Incredible just means that it has changed your life. What has God done for you? Brothers and sisters, you see, your story plus God's work is an incredible story. And that's the story to tell. Yes, you can memorize the ABCs of salvation or the four spiritual laws or Romans Road, whatever you want. Those are great tools to lead someone to salvation. But most people want to hear what Jesus has done in your life, not in theory, but in practice. What change has he made in your life? What happened since you've been saved? Why do you love him? Why do you worship him? Why is he the best thing that has ever happened to you? Think about that. Even what you learn on a Sunday morning, if it has changed you, that's incredible. And that's the incredible story to tell.
You see, for many years, I was angry with my father. In short, he began dating a woman immediately after my mother's death. Her death had been really hard on our entire family. She had ALS, and she had been sick for a long time, and we had all been praying for her miraculous recovery. When she died, I was in college, and my brother was in high school, and it was rough. And when my father began dating this woman, I thought it was too soon. It had only been a few months since my mother's death. And my father really isn't good about talking about those sensitive issues, so he never sat down and had a conversation with my brother and me or introduced us. She just appeared one day on a family trip. I was beyond hurt, and I carried that and some other grievances with me for many years. I was mean to her, I was mean to him, and I was bitter. And all the while, I was a Christian. I was praying, reading my Bible, attending church regularly, serving, leading, worshiping. I was doing it all. But any time the subject of forgiveness came up, and in church, forgiveness comes up a lot, (laughs) I would cringe. I didn't want to hear about forgiveness. I wasn't ready to let go of my hurt. I was rejecting Jesus, or at least the part that wanted to change my heart. There was no question about what Jesus wanted me to do. The question was whether or not I would do it. There was a demon inside of me trying to kill me. No, I wasn't yelling and hurling off at people and being violent, but I had no joy. I had no peace. I hated going home to my house. I cried a lot, and I was angry all the time. But over time, through prayer, God began to work on my heart. And I rejected it a lot. In my prayers, I avoided the topic of forgiveness. But God kept bringing it back to me. He has this way of doing that. That it seemed that no matter what I prayed about, No matter what I read, no matter what song I listened to, God had a way of always bringing forgiveness back to me. He was trying to come in and save me. Now, I'm really stubborn, so it took a while. (laughs) But eventually, I gave in. I started praying that God would help me forgive my father. I prayed that he would restore joy to my life. I prayed that I would come to understand my father. And I even started seeing a counselor. And it took a while, because I'm stubborn. (laughs) And I had to accept the incredible changes Jesus was making in my life, and it was hard. I had to have a tough, awkward conversation with my father. I had to write him a letter about all the things that I was feeling, and I had to let it go. I had to give up my grief and my anger and forgive my father. And it was painful, but it was worth it. I've always loved my father. I still love my father. And our relationship isn't perfect, but it's so much better than it used to be. 
the pain and the resentment are gone, the hurt is gone, and I'm actually happy for my father and his now wife. When we see a good movie, we tell people about it. Each week, the preaching pastor has shared his or her review of the movies and has encouraged you to see that movie or not. I challenge you, don't just tell people to go see The Incredibles. Tell them about The Incredible Jesus. Tell them about the ways you have welcomed Jesus into your life. Tell them about the ways that it was difficult for you, but you finally admitted that God wants to do an incredible work on the inside of you and that you need him to do that. Finally, tell them how you accepted the incredible changes because that's when God started to do the transformative work in your life. You have an incredible story to tell and the world needs to hear it because you might be the only Bible that some people read You might be the only introduction some people get to Jesus. And the work that God has done in you is worth telling because it's all a part of God's great story. Tell the incredible story of what Jesus has done in your life. Let us pray. God, we thank you because you're incredible. God, we thank you that even when we try to reject you, Lord, that you come knocking on our hearts, wanting to come in, wanting to save us, wanting to remove those things in us that are not like you. God, we pray for those among us who need to welcome you into their lives this morning. God, we pray that they would have the courage to do so. God, we pray for those people who need to admit that they need you in their lives. They know that they have challenges. They know that they have something wrestling on the inside of them. They just need to submit it to you and admit that they need you. God, we pray for those people who know what needs to be done, but they're too afraid to do it. They're so comfortable where they are, even as painful as it may be. God, we pray that they would walk in faith and obedience today to accept the incredible changes that you want to make in their lives. And finally, Lord, we pray for each one of us to have holy boldness, that when we leave this place, we would tell the incredible story of the incredible work that you're doing in our lives. God, we thank you that you are incredible and that you are still working and working thing out, everything out for our good. It is in your son Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. At this time, we're asked that you would pull out your communications card or your Metro app, and let's go through the next steps. Because we want to make sure that this sermon doesn't just stay here, but that we take it with us. Number one, I will accept the incredible Jesus in my life. I am committing my life to the incredible Jesus for the first time. Maybe you've never submitted your life to Christ before. Never, maybe you've never said, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I believe in you. 
this is your opportunity to do so. This is your opportunity to welcome him into your life. You can check that box, and then after service, you can meet us at the next table right outside those double doors where a pastor can pray with you, give you a small gift, and also talk to you about what it means to accept Jesus. Number two, I will pray and ask God to reveal any demons in my life. We all have something that we're working on. And part of what we have to do is take that time to ask God to reveal those things to us. Check that box off if you'll commit to pray and ask God to reveal those things to you this week. Number three, I will accept the incredible changes that God wants to make. I will accept the incredible changes that God wants to make. God wants to do a work in you. As I shared my, sh my story, I told you God was telling me what to do. I just didn't want to do it. And I believe that that's some of you in this room, that God has already told you what he wants you to do. Check that box because you're going to take that step of faith this week. Number four, I will reflect on the incredible work of Jesus in my life and share it with someone. You know, part of the reason why it sounds so difficult to talk about Jesus is because we haven't sat down and reflected on what Jesus has done for us. So this week, take some time to think about the incredible work that God has done in your life and share that with someone. And parents, I want to encourage you to share your story with your children so they come to know how you came to know Jesus. And number five, I will attend Immigration Sunday next Sunday at 1.30 p.m. in the Media Center. As we have already said multiple times each week that we are a church of transformation. And it's not just for us to be transformed personally, but it's for us to go out and transform the world. So come next week, stay for the panel, hear the stories, and see what you can do to help be an agent of transformation in our world.